Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to episode 20 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I am your host, Lou Calgerson. You know how we do it. Five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's get right into it. Topic number one that I want to talk about today is, people, it was just opening weekend for Major League Baseball. That's right. Sports are back. Sports are back, baby. And baseball's regular season finally started after long ado happenings of the coronavirus, you know, canceling the season, postponing it, I guess, if you want to put it. Finally, back in action. I'm so excited for it. And the ratings look great. Ratings were fantastic. It was the most watched opening night game in nine years. The Yankees-Nationals to start it off on Thursday. Most watched game in nine years. Regular season game, that is. So baseball, people are ecstatic it's back. I, for one, am so excited that it's back, as I've been a diehard baseball fan my entire life. And what I want to talk about with baseball, not really opening weekend, but how baseball is going to move forward this year. 16-team postseason people, 16 teams will get the invite to October as they battle it out through 60 games to decide that. Baseball is usually a marathon usually go 162 games, and we're supposed to be in the middle of the dog days of summer right now. But no, we're just starting things up right now. Opening day was July 23rd, and I think it's fantastic they're having 16 teams. You really got to figure out the best way to figure out who the best team was this year. What better way to do that than to uh, than have 16 postseason teams? Eight teams from the American League, eight teams from the National League. So they usually do it how there's a sudden death game with the wild card game, and then the first round team, uh, it's just a one-game playoff. Now it goes to a wild card series. The number one seed will play the number eight seed. Number two will play the number seven. Number three will play the number six. Number four will play the number five. And then it goes into the regular postseason as follows with the division series, league championship series, and the world series. How incredible is that? That just means more upsets, more than likely. A number one seed could definitely lose a three-game series to the number eight seed. And it goes down the list. A- any given day on that field, you don't know what could happen. In just a best-of-three series, that's what they're doing right now. Cubs went 2-1 and one against the Brewers. That means they would have won the series. But in the postseason, you never know what can happen. It, it's just going to make... Baseball already has one of the most unpredictable, unbelievable postseasons to begin with. Like, no one could have told me last year that the Nationals were going to win the World Series. No shot. They just got hot at the right time. We're clicking on all cylinders. Boom. World champions. You never would have guessed that after they lost Bryce Harper. Never would have fathomed it. But now, the number eight seed could definitely win a World Series here. With this format, it doesn't. it's not just one game. It's a series, and then you move on from there. So, I absolutely love that baseball is going to this. I think it's fantastic. So, how they decide it is... Obviously, the division winners are automatically into the postseason, and then seeding breaks down from record right there. And then the second-place teams also get an automatic bid to the postseason, and then the records break down from there. So one, two, and three are decided by the division winners based on records. Four, five, and six divided uh, based on second-place teams and their overall record. Then the seventh and eighth seed are decided... I like how they're doing it. You know, regardless of where your division standing is, regardless of what it is, whoever has the best record. 
Next best record gets in that seven and eight spot. Those are now the wild card teams, the seven and eight. Mm. Fantastic. So in my last podcast, I broke down who I thought was going to win each division, and I just so happened to name the second place team because I thought that they were going to go to this. I happened to be recording the episode the same day that they announced that they were possibly looking into doing it. It was opening day. Bing, bang, boom. Here we are. So quick rundown. In my American League, we'll start with the East. I got the Yankees and Tampa Bay Rays getting the 1-2 spot. In the AL Central, I got the Minnesota Twins and the Chicago White Sox getting the 1-2 spot. In the AL West, I got the Astros in the Athletics. And no, I'm not backing away from the Astros that quick just because the Verlander's out for an extended period. I know a lot of people are already jumping the gut on it, and I know you can do things like that in such a shortened season, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They have a good enough offense to where they can make up for the loss of Verlander. He, even though he's one of the best pitchers in the league and a Cy Young candidate year in, year out, I'm still going to give them a chance, even though Houston Asterix, I hate them, but I still, you know, they got enough talent around them. So I got them at the one, Athletics at the two. And now my seventh and eighth seeds that I'm going to go with. I told you early on, I think they're a sleeper team to make something happen, and I'm just going to keep believing in them. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, they're going to get into the playoffs. They're too talented offensively not to. They got the best player in baseball, Mike Trout. Anthony Rendon came over from the Nationals after the World Series run. Still got pool holes. I know he's aging, and how much he has left in the tank remains to be seen, but I believe in him. Otani, I'm going to believe in him, yeah? In his outing, he was absolutely awful, dreadful. He didn't record an out and gave up five earned runs in his first outing of the season, but you know what? I believe he can figure it out, and he's a great offensive threat for them. They also have Justin Upton, so they got a good lineup. The lineup is there. It just remains the pitching staff, but I think the offense can carry them into the postseason. Second team that I think will get into the American League um, seeding, Cleveland Indians out of the AL Central. Yeah, I had them right there with the White Sox anyways. I went had to deliberate with myself for so long to come to the conclusion that the White Sox were actually going to finish second. And... You know, looking at the Indians roster, I'm confident that they can make the playoffs, if not get that second uh, spot or even, you know, battle the Twins. They still got Lindor, one of the best shortstops in the game, Carlos Santana, Daniel Johnson, Cesar Hernandez, Jose Ramirez. The offense is there. The offense is there for sure. And I know that pitching staff has looked good for them as well. Shane Bieber. Mike Clevenger was a pick to win the Cy Young by a lot of people out there. So watch out for these Indians. So I think the AL, the teams will be Yankees, Rays, Twins, White Sox, Astros, Athletics, Angels, Indians. Moving to the National League, start with the teams that I thought were going to win the division and get second. Out in the East, I got the Atlanta Braves, Washington Nationals. In the NL Central, I got my Chicago Cubs. And the Cincinnati Reds, and then in the AL West, I have the Dodgers, and then the Colorado Rockies. Those are the six. And then another team that I think can sneak in there, getting that seven seed. I don't know how I've come to the grips of deciding that this team was going to get there because every year they disappoint. Every year they're overhyped and disappoint, but I think this is the year with 16 teams. The New York Mets people are going to make the playoffs. They got the reigning rookie of the year, Pete Alfonso. 
Alonzo, excuse me, Michael Conforto, Cespedes is finally back. Robinson Cano, I still believe in him. J.D. Davis, Wilson Ramos. The, the offense, again, another team. The offense is there. Can the pitching do it? And looking at the rotation, absolutely can. DeGrom, one of the best pitchers in the game. Uh, you know, won the Cy Young, back-to-back years. He's incredible. Steven Matz, Rick Porcello should be able to turn things around, I would hope. And then they have Michael Walker as their fourth pitcher. Dangerous team. I just couldn't put them over the Braves and Nationals just because the Nationals won the World Series. I like the Braves' younger talent and coming up, while the Mets are a little bit of an older aging team, if you don't count Pete. But I think the Mets are going to sneak into the playoffs. Just There's a spot for them, and they're good. They're a good team. Just They always disappoint. They always underachieve, but I don't think that's going to happen this year. I'm going to believe in the New York Mets, and I'm probably going to regret that later on. The other team that I think is going to sneak in, I hate to say that this team is going to get in, but somehow they always find a way to get there and then lose right away. The Milwaukee Brewers. Cubs just beat them uh, this weekend, and they still look like the same Brewers team. You know, Yelich was atrocious, but that's definitely not going to continue as he's one of the best hitters in all of baseball. You know, they still have Ryan Braun, Justin Smoke, Lorenzo Cain, they still have the same guys that they've made the postseason with the past two years on the offensive side. Yeah, they lost Moustakis to the Reds, but, you know, I don't think he'll be that big a loss. The Brewers always somehow find a way to replace guys that leave. And then, you know, the the rotation's not great, but they have one of the best bullpens in the game with Josh Hader. And, gosh, it just... Every time, I just hate when the Cubs play the Brewers because I always think that we should beat them every time, and yet somehow the Brewers always manage to surprise me. So I can't just leave them out to dry all the time. I just can't. I got Eventually, I got to buy into it a little bit, even though I hate them so much. But So to give you the National League rundown, I got the Braves and Nationals, Chicago Cubs, Reds, Dodgers, Rockies, Mets, Brewers. Th- those are my teams. Those are the playoffs. How it breaks down seeding from there, you know, anyone, that's anyone's guess. I would say who's going to have the best record. But if we're going to go American League, I would say Yankees, Twins, Astros, and then I would say Athletics, Tampa, White Sox, and then Indians probably get the seven, Angels get the eight. And then in the National League, I would say Dodgers are going to have the best record, followed by the Braves, and then the Cubs. And then I would go Nationals, Reds, Rockies uh, for the three, uh, four, five, and six. And then I'm going to say Mets get the seven and Brewers get the eight. That's Those aren't easy wins for the teams. For the Astros to have to play, the, or anyone for the Angels to have to play the Yankees, that's not a winnable series. For the Braves, for the Dodgers to have to go up against the Brewers, that's not an easy series. I see a lot of upsets come in this postseason. It's, it, baseball's always the most unpredictable to begin with. Just adding more teams makes that element of guessing who's going to win even more difficult. So baseball, it's back. The sprint to October begins now. Let's get it popping. Topic number two that I want to get to. Folks, do we realize that Thursday night the NBA is restarting? Oh, my two favorite sports Finally back in action, 
and it's going to matter. They're both going to matter at the exact same time. I'm as a sports fan, I cannot be more thrilled that we are going to crown a champion for the NBA and Major League Baseball around the same time as each other. Sign me up. Sign me up. And with the NBA, I want to what I want to talk about is the NBA came out and announced that regardless of what happens in these eight games, that awards and all NBA teams will only be decided from when the season started all the way back in October to March 11th when the season was postponed for the foreseeable future due to the coronavirus pandemic. Now that they're back, the eight games aren't going to matter. So guys now have to vote. Awards now have to be decided upon ignoring these eight games. So we're going to go all NBA team predictions. I'll get to the awards later. Not this episode. We'll save it for another one, but we'll start with the all NBA teams. And we'll start with first team. First team all NBA. I'm going to start with the two guys that are most deserving. LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo. The two MVP favorites. It's pretty clear cut, you know. They both have are on the best teams in their respective conferences. Giannis, we'll start with his stats. They're just absolutely disgusting on the offensive end. And he, he's a defensive player of the year candidate as well. But if you don't know how dominant Giannis is, 29.6 points a game. Let's just round that up to 30. I don't care. We're rounding up to 30. He averages six assists a game. He's, folks, I understand that the game has changed, but this man is averaging 30 and also giving you 13, 14 rebounds a game. Wow, Maui, Wowie. Field goal percentage shoots 54% from the field. You know, he's not that big a three point threat, but that's known about him. But he shoots over 30%. And free throws struggles a little bit, but those numbers don't matter. Giannis is an absolute monster. There's a reason the Bucks are the best team in their conference, at least record wise. We'll see how it plays out in the postseason, but he's been incredible. Nothing short of spectacular, and that goes with LeBron James as well. You know, just got to repeat it. Year, year 17, people, 35 years old, 35 years young, and this man is still one of the best in the game. At 35, year 17, more milers than anyone, and he has been spectacular. Leads the league in assists at 35. He's never led the league in assists before, and he's doing it year 17. Huh? He also averages 25.7 points a game. I think he's gone th- like 14, honestly, like 16 straight seasons of averaging more than 25 points a game. LeBron James a go, but that, you know, I've already talked about that before. But, gosh, he is just spectacular. Eight rebounds a game. What more do you want out of a guy? Shoots just under 50%, but we're, we're, we round up here. You know, in this class, we round up. You know, he shoots 49.8%, so we round that up. Shoots 35% from three. Hmm. LBJ, just this man is unstoppable, and I just cannot believe that he is still doing what he is doing right now with how much mileage has been on his legs. So Giannis and LeBron for sure. Another guy I have on first team, Luka Doncic. I mean, 20 years young, 20 years old. He's seven years younger than me, and this man is absolutely tearing the league apart 28 points a game, huh? Averages nine rebounds a game, nine assists a game, 46% from the field, 31% from three, 
true shoot, effective field goal percentage of 53%. This, uh, I just can't fathom it. He came over from Europe, and people slept on him a little bit, and they just didn't believe it. They said he was slow. They said he was fat, and boom, 20 years old, already being a prime superstar in the league. And the Mavericks, he's carrying them to the playoffs in a very tough Western Conference. He has them at the seventh seed. What he does out there is absolutely spectacular. His step-back jumper is comparable with James Harden's step-back. It's an unfair move. He just, if you need to watch someone, like there's a reason these guys are all NBA first team is because they're must-watch. If LeBron's on TV, you got to watch. If Giannis is on TV, you got to watch. If Luka's on TV, you must watch. It is must-see basketball. Luka, third guy on there. Fourth guy, James Harden. You know, you could say the Thunder uh, Rockets have underachieved a little this year at only being the sixth seed, but they're tied for the fifth. But Harden just continues. The scoring onslaught that he has been doing is nothing short of spectacular. He averages 30 points, 34 points a game, seven assists, six rebounds. You know, that field goal percentage is low, but he, he's a chucker. He loves to throw up those shots. He gets to the free throw line 12 times a game, and he shoots 86% from the free throw line. You know, that, that's a skill in itself. Yes, does he flop? He might milk the contact here and there a little bit, but it takes great skill to get to the free throw line. It, it's... It's not an easy, it's not just, oh, he's flopping. Oh, oh, he's just jerking his head back. No, it is an absolute skill to fool your defender into thinking that they can go for the ball. You know, he belongs on there. He's definitely one of the best players in the league. He's been incredible this year with his buddy, Russell Westbrook. They're going to be dangerous. Watch out for Houston when we start games up for real. They're scrimmaging right now against each other, but when games start for real Thursday and Friday, watch out for these Rockets because they're going to be fully healthy, and that was always the big thing against Harden. Always came up short because he was tired, would wear himself out. Now he's had a break. He's had time to, you know, get his conditioning up, do what he needs to do, get healthy. So Harden, another guy. Final guy on first-team All-NBA, Anthony Davis. Now, I know I I was singing LeBron's praises, so I got to do the same thing. I pretty much watch every Laker game this year, and I got to tell you, every time I watch them, it always looks like Anthony Davis is sometimes the best player on the court for these Lakers. He leads them in points, rebounds. Pretty much he leads them in every stat, not assists. Everything else, it's Anthony Davis. He has shown he is worth that high price they paid they paid for trading all those guys away just to get him. He's been worth it. He's been more than worth it. Gosh, he, he's great. And did I mention I have the same exact birthday as him, March 11, 1993? God, he's just 26.7 points a game, nine rebounds a game. We're rounding that up to 10, three assists. You know, he shoots 51% from the field. He's a pretty good three-point shooter, too, 34% from the field from three. He's also their best free throw shooter, which is unbelievable for a center, but that's what he's doing. He's got that kind of touch. He literally can do everything. He can run the floor. He can handle. And the reason, yeah, you might say he pairs up with Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee when he's on the floor, so he's actually a power forward. Well, he's been nominated to first-team All-NBA, being a center for the New Orleans Pelicans in the past, so I'm going to cut him some slack and 
say regardless of position, he's been the best interior post player, not named Giannis. So give me Anthony Davis. So first team All-NBA looks like LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, James Harden, Anthony Davis. Second team. This is when it starts to get a little trickier. Now, I got Damian Lillard. He'll be the first guy that I name. He's my point guard. Portland has is lucky to have been staying afloat right now because he's the only reason that they were even invited to the bubble. He's I think he's the second best point guard in the league, not named Steph Curry. When everyone is fully healthy, give me Dame over all these other guys. You know, he averages 30 points a game. Jeez. Eight assists a game, four rebounds. Shoots 45% from the field. We round that up 46. He shoots 40% from three. He's a not automatic knockdown free throw shooter. He's the only reason they're relevant. He's their only reason that Portland has even remained afloat this year with all the injuries they've dealt with, all the guys that they've had to shuffle in and out, bringing in Carmelo Anthony, just all the things that he's had to gone through for Portland to be where they are and put themselves in playoff position, all thanks to Damian Lillard. Second guy that belongs on there, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, what more needs to be said? He, but I would say was, uh, as far as two-way players go, it's Giannis and Kawhi. 1A, 1B as two-way players in the league, offense and defense. You know, averages 27 points a game, five assists, seven rebounds, shoots 47% from the field, 36% from three. He's Kawhi Leonard. There's a reason he's two-time finals MVP. Clippers, prime position to win a championship this year. They have as good a chance as anyone. And it's all because the best. he's one of the best players in the world. You know, I was going to put him first team, but he's missed more games than the other guys. He, he's only played 51 games. You know, he, he takes nights off. He doesn't play every night. So that's why I give it to the other guys over him. You know, load management is a thing. It really only applies to him. It doesn't apply to a whole lot of other guys, but he still belongs at second team All-NBA for sure. The next guy, Chris Paul. Chris Paul doesn't get enough credit. Now, you might not see it in the stat sheet because, you know, he's just not a stat stuffer kind of player. But you just got to think about it. These Rockets were not even supposed to be close to sniffing, not even close to sniffing the playoffs. As a matter of fact, people had projected them to be a bottom five team, a lottery team, no chance of the playoffs. And what do you know? They got 40 wins. They got rid of their bread and butter of the organization, and Russell Westbrook traded him for Chris Paul. And what do you know? They got the same record as the Rockets. All because of Chris Paul, the leader Chris Paul. I've never been that big a fan of him, but... He's been incredible this year. Like I said, the stats might not be there, but as the leader of that team, you know, he's averages 7.5 points per game, seven assists, five rebounds, 1.5 steals. You know, I, you got to give him credit just because of how much he's shown that he can be a superstar of a team and lead them to the playoffs with him as the best player and no other all-stars. I just really cannot fathom how they have been this good. And they really have been nothing short of great. Uh, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I really thought they were going to be bad this year. I thought they would have no chance. I thought they'd be fighting for the lottery, and maybe at some point Chris Paul would get traded somewhere. But no. 
No, that didn't happen. He said, forget all that noise. We're going to make the playoffs as a five seed right now. With, with, as far as seeding breaks down, we'd be going up against the Utah Jazz, and that's, that's a matchup that they would be wanting to go against if the postseason started. But they still got to play eight games. But, wow. I got to give credit. I got to give credit to CP3. Fourth guy, Pascal Siakam. The Raptors have not missed a beat since a top three player in the league left their team. Think about that. If LeBron, when LeBron leaves a team, the organization blows up. I couldn't imagine where the Bucks would be if they didn't have Giannis. And Kawhi wins a championship with Toronto in his first year there and decides to go home to L.A. Oh, and everyone writes off Toronto. Oh, they're not going to be great. They lost one of the best players. They'll be lucky to make the playoffs as a, a seven or eight seed. And what do you know? They're the two seed. Two seed in the Eastern Conference, just behind Milwaukee. And the big reason why is because of two people. And the, I think the better guy, Pascal Siakam. 23.5 points a game, seven rebounds, 3.5 assists, one steal a game. He guards the best player on the other team as far as a wing scorer. You got to give them credit. You got to give them credit because they were not supposed to be good. They really weren't. They were not supposed to be a good team according to everyone. And you know what? Pascal gave them the old middle finger and said, you know what? We're going to be great. Nick Nurse, he's just a great coach. Great coach, but Pascal Siakam deserves to be second team because the Raptors have overachieved. Just, just like I'm giving Chris Paul credit, you got to give Pascal Siakam credit. And then the center, Jokic. It's got to be Jokic. You know, Nuggets, again, top of the conference. He's the best player. He's just so dynamic. You just never would assume that a big man would be the best passer on your team. He averages 21 points a game, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, 1.2 steals, 7 blocks. I, I get, you would never guess that Nikola Jokic would be your best passer, but gosh, he's great. You can't ignore it. He's been better than Embiid in this year. I'm sorry, he has. Uh, I love Jokic's game. You know, he's not the fastest. He's not the strongest. He's not the most athletic, but he is one of the most crafty players out there. And he can give you a bucket at any time, and he can also find the open guy at any moment. Just some of the passes he pulls off are absolutely spectacular. So, Jokic. Second team, I got Dame, CP3, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, Nikola Jokic. Third team, all NBA. You know, I said this team kind of underachieved, but you can't ignore what Russell Westbrook has been doing with the Houston Rockets. Uh, 27 points a game, seven assists, eight rebounds. You know, that shooting percentage is a little higher than you would think, 47% from the field. Again, he's not a great three-point shooter, but that's why they traded Clint Capella. So you allow Westbrook to get all the way into the lane, get him those dunks, get him those layups, attack the basket. That's what he does best. Put your head down, get to the basket. That's Russell Westbrook's bread and butter right there. And they opened it up for him. Yeah. Like I said, I think the Rockets have underachieved, but you can't ignore what he's done. He's been incredible for them, and he belongs on an all-NBA team. He's just too good to ignore what he does in night out, night in, night out. So Westbrook, put him on there. 
The second guard, again, I got to give credit to these Toronto Raptors and Kyle Lowry. You can't ignore what the guy has done for, uh, again, a team that was not supposed to be good. We just want to easily ignore that they were not, everyone wrote them off. After winning the championship, everybody wrote them off. And here's Kyle Lowry, 19.2 points per game, eight assists a game, five rebounds, 1.3 steals. Now he's shown that he can win in the postseason. Now he's shown that he's got that playoff experience and getting to playoffs all the time and losing to LeBron has gone for something. All that experience is paying off. He's been great. He has been great for Toronto. He definitely belongs on there. You know, he's number 10 in ESPN's RPM. I just, I really like Lowry. Uh, I just really like how well the Raptors have done without one of the best players in the league. You just got to give him credit. Have to give Lowry credit for what he's done. Third guy, Giannis is Robin. Chris Middleton. You know, he's just short of the 50-40-90 club, and I don't think we realize how inclusive that club is, and that's field goal percentage of 50%, three-point percentage of 40%, free throw percentage of 90%. 21 points a game, six rebounds, four assists. Just, you never would have guessed it. He always just, it really comes down to the playoffs. People just want to focus on the playoffs and say that's the only time he's ever good. He never really does anything outside of that. No. No, he... He is a good player. He is an all-star. He's a great sidekick next to Giannis because he can shoot anywhere from anywhere on the floor. Automatic knockdown shooter. You know, he just he belongs on an all-NBA team because, frankly, they've been best team in the Eastern Conference. they got the best record in the league. And just you look at his stats without Giannis, and it's pretty remarkable. So with Giannis on the floor, their offensive rating is a 111.9. Defensive rating of 94.8. That's a plus 17 net rating. Without Giannis, this is the surprising part. The offense gets better. 112.4 offensive rating. And the defensive rating, you know, it goes way up, but it's still nowhere near the offensive rating. 103.6. It just shows that when Giannis goes to the court, that the Bucks don't miss much. Middleton fills in the gap nicely for them. So definitely belongs on an all-NBA team. You can't ignore what he's done. There's a reason he's an all-star. Another, the other guy, Jimmy Butler. Again, the Heat, a team I did not think was going to be that great this year. I really didn't see it coming. But here, here they are, the fourth seed. Fourth seed as we restart, restart there. He's right there. He's shown that he deserves to be on an all-NBA team. You know, he's leading them in points. He's leading them in assists. He's the defensive force for that team. He guards the best player. You got to give them credit because I wrote them off. I didn't believe in them one bit when the year started, but here they are going to be able to fight for a championship. You know, I don't think they're a championship contender, but Jimmy Butler is the leader of that team. They're a young team. They got a long way to go, but as Jimmy Butler with their best player, to bring up the Kendrick Nuns, the Tyler Heroes of the world. Jimmy Butler's the guy. He just, he wins everywhere he goes. He gets a bad rap. He gets way too bad of rap. And yet, he got Minnesota to the playoffs. He was an all-star with the Chicago Bulls under Tom Thibodeau. 
He belongs on an all-NBA team. You can't ignore what he's done for these Heat. And then the center for them, uh, this is this team has underachieved. They really have. But he's their best player, and he's great when he's on the floor. Joel Embiid. Now, I'm not that big a fan of Embiid. I think he talks a little too much, but, you know, he's still – He's still a monster out there. When healthy, Joel Embiid is an absolute beast. But that's the problem. He is rarely healthy. But when he is, he's great. Spectacular. 23.3 points a game, 12 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.4 blocks, just under a steal a game. His talent is too good to ignore. It, It really is. It really is just too good to ignore. But... You know, Jokic has been better this year. Anthony Davis has been better this year. He just – you just got to stay healthy. You know, MP's only played in 43 games. So I I think he's been the third best center. So I'm going to give him the nod just because he is such a force out there when he actually plays. Shoots the three a little too much. He should get down on the block more just because he is so big and so unstoppable. But, you know, that just comes down to how he plays it. So third team. I got Russell Westbrook, Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid. Now, obviously, I don't want to dismiss some of the other guys that have been incredible this season for their respective teams. So I'm going to also mention five snubs that I missed. We do miss. And the first snub that I got, I'm sorry, I had to do it to you, Jason Tatum. I had to do it to you. You know, I give Luca all the credit for being that young and being that talented. Well, the same could be said about Jason Tatum. He averages 23.5 points a game, seven rebounds, three, three assists, 1.3 steals. His game has gotten better throughout the entire season. He went up eight points in scoring from last year. It just shows that he has improved as a player. And, you know... It was really, I got to tell you, the biggest debate was putting Jimmy Butler on the team over him. I just had to give the Heat credit somewhere. And you could say the same for the Celtics. They're the three seed. But he also has the benefit of playing with three other guys who are scoring 20 points a night. Do we realize that? Kevin Walker, all-star caliber player. Gordon Hayward is finally coming back to that all-star caliber player. Jalen Brown also averages 20 points a game. That can't be ignored. But, again, Tatum, I think, is the biggest snub for sure. So I, I have to give him his praise because he's been great this year. So, But uh, he, maybe he could prove me wrong in these eight games, but the vote goes to Jimmy Tatum. Sorry I had to lead you off. The next guy who I think was a – you know, I don't even think he's that big a snub. But the stats are there. The stats are there for this guy, and that would be Mr. Trey Young. He's the fourth-leading scorer in the league. He averages – 30 points a game, averages nine assists, averages four rebounds, shoots 43% from the field, 36% from three, and 86% from the free throw line. Here's why I didn't include him, though, and I wouldn't say that he's the biggest snub. They don't win. All those stats are really nice on paper and great, but then when you look at the Atlanta Hawks, they're one of the worst teams in the league. Yes, they don't have a lot of talent around them, but it doesn't matter. All those stats go to nothing. You got to win 
These awards come down to also winning and how well your statistics lead to winning. That's how I at least gauge all NBA. That's that's how I look it in my book. And his stats don't translate to wins. It needs to be said. So I uh, had to leave Trey Young off there, but you could say he's deserving. I didn't think so just because of how bad his team is. But And uh, next guy, Bam Anabayo. Uh, look, he, he. I would consider him for most improved player this year, and then to not include him on an All NBA team is kind of disrespectful to him. But uh, I, I just couldn't. I thought I thought there were better guys than him. But I, I have to at least talk about him. Sixteen point two points a game, ten point five rebounds, five assists a game, one point three blocks, one point two steals. He's come out of nowhere. He has come out of nowhere and been spectacular for the Heat. A big reason why, you know, I wasn't a believer in them because I didn't realize how good Bam Anabayo was. I heard a lot about him last year as far as, you know, highlights and everything, but I didn't think he was going to be this incredible. And sure enough, he's been great for the Heat. He's been great for the Heat. I got to say, he was, he was the one guy that I would say, him and the next guy I'm going to talk about, Rudy Gobert, are the two guys I had a hard time putting Embiid over, but I think Embiid is better than both of them when on the floor. So I gave it to Embiid, but Bam and Rudy Gobert should get a lot of consideration. Yeah, and it goes for Gobert, 5.4 points, you know, 14 rebounds a game, two blocks a game, one one assist. He's going to be a defensive player of the year candidate for the foreseeable future. You know, he's a... He blocks everything in the paint. He's just, he is unstoppable. He's an unstoppable defender. You know, it's tough to score on him. So, had to give them credit. But, again, I liked AD. I like Jokic. I like Embiid more than those two. So, that's why I couldn't include them. And then the final guy. And the reason I couldn't include this guy is because his team has underachieved. And, frankly, Embiid is lucky to even be on a team. And that would be... Embiid's teammate, Ben Simmons. Frankly, he can't shoot. He can't shoot an outside shot. And that shouldn't really go into that much consideration for an all-NBA team. But if everyone tells me that he is a top 10 player in the Eastern Conference, and it's like, okay, if you have two top 10 players on your team, you should be at least a four seed, right? And that's kind of low. If anything, you should be three fighting for the one seed in all likelihood. But no, the 76ers are the sixth seed below teams like the Pacers and the Heat. Like, it can't be ignored how much they have underachieved and been not great. So I factor that in of why I didn't put Simmons on the team. Just because other guys have been better, have led to more success in tougher conferences, and Simmons has well... He hasn't really gotten any better since his rookie year, and that can just be seen from his shooting and all facets of his game. Yeah, he's an incredible passer. He runs the floor great for someone who's 6'10". You know, in open space, he's pretty unstoppable. But he just hasn't really grown his game outside of that. I just haven't seen much progress, so that's why I can't include him. So biggest snubs, Jason Tatum, Trey Young, Bam Anabayo, Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons. Third topic that I want to get to, we're going to stay in the basketball world and talk about those New York Knicks 
and supposedly they have found themselves a new coach, Mr. Tom Thibodeau, finalizing a five-year deal to become the coach of the New York Knicks. I like Thibodeau as a coach. I really do. I think he, he, frankly, I don't know how he's out of the league, but then I look and the last team that he coached for was the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they are the worst organization in all the NBA, so it's tough to win there. I understand why it was probably a mutual parting rather than just him leaving altogether, them firing him. But Thibodeau belongs in the league. You know, he, he is a coach who deserves to be in the league, and he's a coach of the year. He's won it before. He's 11th in career winning percentage for coaches with 500 or more games. Uh, he's won 352 games as a coach um, in eight seasons in Chicago and Minnesota. Remember, he won Coach of the Year his first year there with MVP Derrick Rose in 2010-2011. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then from there, he's, he's the reason Jimmy Butler is at where he's at in his career. You know, Jimmy Butler couldn't have played for a better guy to start his career. And Thibodeau's shown with if he has the right pieces around him, he can bring he creates a culture. And it's a good culture. It's a play hard culture. He gets the best out of his players. And that's what the Knicks need. They need their guys to play hard and get the best out of them. They need RJ to develop, Julius Randle to get better. They, they just need guys to play hard. And they got a young team. I would like to think it could turn the Knicks around, but then there are, it's also the Knicks. They're just a, a constant laughing stock, and the only reason that they even get talked about this century is because of Carmelo Anthony. Do we realize the Knicks haven't made the playoffs in six years? And the last time was with Carmelo Anthony being the superstar player that he is. He, he doesn't get enough credit for how he turned that franchise around for just a short amount of time because they have had no success. The Knicks are an embarrassment, and Carmelo Anthony made them look good. Maybe they can finally turn it around, bringing in a, a really good coach in Thibodeau and going from there. But, gosh, the Knicks, are just, they really just need a culture change, and I think Thibodeau will bring in the right culture. You know, he's been around Team USA his entire coaching career. He's been a longtime assistant for various coaches around the league. You know, he was an assistant for the Knicks, too, so it's not like he's not familiar with the organization. He, belong, he deserved to be a coach in this league. 100%. And I'm glad he's getting that opportunity. And we'll see how it works for the Knicks because they just, like, they love to turn over coaches. Give him time. At least let him live out the extent of this contract, New York. Because, my God, you just bury coaches into the ground if you go to New York. Just look at David Fisdale. He was supposed to be the next up-and-coming assistant coach to be great after his time with the Miami Heat. What did he do with the Knicks? Oh, they were an embarrassment. They were abysmal. They were awful. And that's why he got fired for Mike Miller. No, not the Mike Miller who played for the Heat. No, I always think it too. But not him. And then before them, what was it, Derek Fisher? Oh, my goodness. Uh, the Phil Jackson era of the New York Knicks is just, ugh. It, it, one of the lowest points of that organization's lifespan. And, ugh, it just... The last good coach, I feel like, was Mike Woodson. And again, that was when he had Carmelo Anthony in company and old head Jason Kidd and Tyson Chandler and young J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert and Amari Stoudemire. Like, that was the last time they were relevant. God, and that was, it feels like centuries ago that that team was around. And now they, they are what they are, uh, the laughing stock of the league. So hopefully 
They can turn it around. I think Thibodeau can do that. Great coaching signing. Good for him. He deserves it. Congrats to you, Tibbs. I'm excited to see you on the sideline again with your barking attitude. Let's go. Fourth topic I want to get to was a little football signing, huh? Actually, a little trade action, huh? Jamal Adams finally gets his wishes granted by the New York Jets and gets traded. Now, the reason he got traded is absolutely funny. So he talks a lot on social media. So I just remember looking at past posts of him, and he's like, I'm here to stay. I'm ready to be part of this organization. I'm ready to do something great with them. Okay, that's nice. And then this offseason comes around, and he's like, oh, I want out. I want out. They're not signing me to a long-term deal. I want the big money contract. Are you going to sign me or no? And they're like, at this point, they didn't want to sign him. No one wanted to sign him, and yet, yeah, I had a hard time thinking about this, but I think he's the best safety in the league. And I really thought about it, and I was like, Who, who's better? And I had to go look at multiple ratings of safeties in the league, and sure enough, top of the charts, Jamal Adams on every single one of them. And, you know, he shows it. One-time All-Pro, two-time Pro Bowler. He had 61 tackles last year. Uh, solo tackles, that is, six, point, six and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, one interception. Uh, and I really tried to think of other safeties, and I was like, Earl Thomas with Baltimore? I don't think so. I'd rather have Adams. He's younger. What about Mika Fitzpatrick out in Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. I guess I'd really still have Adams. And the Seahawks gave up. They gave up a lot for this guy. They gave up an absurd amount of draft picks. They gave up two first-round draft picks and, an, and I believe, a third-round draft pick. And they get a fourth-round draft pick in return. And like I said, first-round draft pick in 2021 and 2022 and a third-round pick in 2021. And Seahawks then get the Jets' fourth-round pick in 2022. It, you got to be thrilled if you're Jamal Adams here. You go from being, again, just these New York organizations are just dreadful. And sure enough, now he's getting traded to a Seattle team that has Super Bowl aspirations. Seattle's got to believe that they can win the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson, top three quarterback in the league. You know, they might need a little more offensive firepower, but they always get it figured out because Wilson is absolutely spectacular. The defense is still pretty good. I would imagine the next moves they're going to make is they, they got to sign him long-term. If you're going to give up those kind of draft picks for a guy, you got to sign him long-term. And I know that's been the big deal of why he wanted to be traded from the Jets. He wants to be the highest-paid safety in the league. You know, he wants that. Uh, I can't think of his name right now, but he does play for my Chicago Bears. What is it, Jones, who's the highest-paid cor- uh, safety in the league right now at $14.5 million. He wants that, that kind of money. And that's a lot for a safety. But if he's the best, and he looks like he is the best. He looks like he is the best safety. He deserves that money. We'll see if the Seahawks pay him, but I would imagine that they're going to lock him up long-term, and then they're going to lock up Clowney. Like, how Clowney is still on the free agent market just doesn't make any sense to me. So he's got to get signed. you got to sign Adams. I I wouldn't believe it if the Seahawks traded for all of – traded all of this just for one guy and don't sign him long-term. So I would imagine in the coming weeks, sometime during the season, that they are going to sign him to a long-term deal. So big pickup for them. Bolsters that defense for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. Again, 
you just got to be thrilled if you're Adams. Getting away from New York, he spoke badly about Adam Gates, the head coach, and then the the owner rumor of him, you know, being racist and making sexual comments uh, reported by CNN. It's just like, and then he talked trash about them. He just trash. If you trash the owner and a coach of your organization, I'm going to put money on it. You're getting traded. Like they're not going to waste any time with that. So he gets his wishes. And what better team to get traded to than a team that got to believe that they have a chance to win a Super Bowl. So good for you, Adams. You got to be thrilled. I would be thrilled if I was traded from one of the worst teams to a team with championship attitude. Let's go. Let's go. So excited for him to be on the new team. Final topic that I want to get to today, the Toronto Blue Jays finally find a home. That's right. This coming season, they will be playing in Buffalo at the home of their AAA site, the Buffalo Bison. They will now be the Buffalo Blue Jays. I think it's got a nice ring to it. I actually really like the name. They're going to make some updates to the facility just because it is a minor league facility. And I heard this was like a last case scenario for them. Like They wanted to play at a major league facility. And what was crazy, the Canadian government denied them being to play at their home stadium. I understand. You don't want Americans coming there and, you know, bringing the coronavirus up there because our numbers have been just steadily increasing over time when you think they would decline. Nope, here in the States, going way up on the big rise. And the Canadian government just shut it down. They're like, nope, y'all can practice here, warm up for spring training 2.0, but you cannot play your home games here. So then they tried to go play at PNC Park where the Pittsburgh Pirates play. And Pennsylvania health people, government, they were like, nope, we don't want you coming here either. You're not allowed to play games here as well. And then there were various reports going around that they might play at Camden Yards where the Baltimore Orioles play or literally just playing at where they're just make all their games really away games and just being the home team at select places. That's what they're doing to start things out when they play the Nationals. Uh, They'll technically be the home team, but they'll be playing in Washington, D.C., so it's just it's just odd. You know, their first home games are scheduled for Wednesday and Thursday of this week. And wow, it just you it's just absolutely insane that a team they're literally about to restart the season and then the government's like, No, you're not allowed to play here. Well, where are we playing home games? Like the players just have to I would imagine the players were just on like what what the hell are we doing? Where are we gonna go? Like where do we have to sh- set up shop for this coming season? So just really baffling, really baffling that this is the extent that it's come to in these unprecedented times. This just coronavirus pandemic. Mm, mm, mm. It has just been absolute insanity this year. The year of 2020. It's the year of 2020. 18 former Bisons um, who have, play, have played at that stadium are now on the Blue Jays opening roster including star infielders Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, and Kevin Bichia. Look, I've seen all of them play. I got to had the privilege of watching them in Dunedin when they played for the Dunedin Blue Jays, the single-A affiliates of the Toronto Blue Jays, and they were spectacular at that level. They were absolutely incredible. I just I couldn't believe how good they were, and like all the hype around Vlad Guerrero Jr., oh, it's real. 
He's like his daddy. That swing is just like his daddy's. He's going to be great for them. They got a young up-and-coming team. Got to like what they had. I guess the players weren't all that crazy on what was finally decided. Vlad Guerrero Jr. specifically, I'm good. I feel good about it. I've seen everyone normal. I haven't heard anything negative, so I guess everyone is good with it. The mentality is that they're going to walk into Buffalo, and the day they walk in there, that'll give them a competitive advantage for us, according to Blue Jays president Mark Shapiro. I don't know how it really gives you a competitive advantage just because you have no fans. Like, yeah, you could say, well, they've never played at this facility before. They're not accustomed to what they're about to get into playing there. Well, yeah, no one's played at the Rangers' new home stadium either, but you don't hear anyone going crazy about how much of a home field advantage they're going to have. I, I, don't, I don't agree with that, but it's just, it's just great that they finally found a home in baseball. It's up and running, people. I'm going to watch some games tonight. Let's go. I'm just, sports are back. Do we realize this in the year of 2020 of all this disarray and all this disappointment and all the craziness, we finally get something of normalcy back, and that is sports. No fans, but hey, as long as I can watch new sports content instead of watching reruns of the Olympic USA team or old NBA games or old boxing highlights or old Cubs highlights or just finally some new material of sports, ah, Let's go. Let's go. And those are the five topics of the day. Now let's get to my unpopular opinion. And, okay, I just saw a tweet today. This isn't why I wanted to talk about this, because I wanted to talk about this for another reason. But I saw a tweet today that said Baron Davis. And I think he was joking. I think he was just throwing shade at the guy. But Baron Davis said Michael Jordan has could play in this league. He has the same speed as Jared Dudley. Or he said something along those lines. And it's just the way people just belittle the NBA today is absolutely ridiculous. It is the most disrespectful thing you could do. Hey, NBA media, you wonder why the ratings are low and you talk about low ratings for regular seasons game? Blame yourselves. Blame the old players of the league because they belittle the game and they destroy the game, which is why my unpopular opinion is the NBA has never been better. That's right. This is the greatest the NBA has ever been. There has never been a better NBA product than what we're dealing with right now. And the reasons I think this are pretty obvious. Look, they're, they're so skilled. And just think about this. Okay, everyone can do everything. Like what I was talking about with Jokic, he's the best passer on his team. He's a seven-foot center. Okay, you go to these other big guys in the league. Anthony Davis can literally do every single thing that a basketball team requires a player to do. He can pass. He can shoot. He can go to the basket. He can do post moves. He can play defense. He can, he's a rim protector. Uh, that's one guy doing all these sets of skills. Back in the day, what did big men do? Oh, they went down on the block, and they bodied each other up to get rebounds and layups. That's it. Big men of the past never had to deal with players like Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns. They, they didn't exist because, you know what? Big men didn't shoot. Dirk Nowitzki doesn't get enough credit for how much he changed the game. The stretch four has changed the way we look at basketball. Everyone on the court is required to shoot. Back in the day, uh, any generation... You can just go back even to like the 2000s. There, you had specialists. 
Your team had a three-point specialist. You had a go-to scorer. You had a rim protector. You had maybe a down-low guy who will give you a bucket. He's the same as the rim protector. You know, everyone had their assignment. And it was like, do your job. That's your job. Go out there and do it. What do they do now? Everyone does everything. It's the most skilled the league has ever been. There's never been as much talent in the league. Uh, just just look around the league at all the superstars. And it's an international game. You're getting everyone's best. Every country's best comes here. Giannis, Luka. Like I said, just keep harping on Jokic, Embiid. It, these guys are from all around the world. Gobert, they're from everywhere. And they're absolutely incredible. You could just field a superstar, incredible lineup with just foreign players. And yet, oh... Then that doesn't even factor the Americans that are absolutely unbelievable. It just, it aggravates me when, and I like Kenny Smith. I like Charles Barkley. I like Shaquille O'Neal. I love TNT and listening to those guys get up there and talk about basketball because they obviously have a lot of knowledge about the game. But this is where they miss everything. This is where they're throwing up air balls because they, oh, the game is so weak. They don't play any defense. All they're doing is shooting threes. No, no. Everyone can shoot. It's a, you score more points when you shoot a three compared to a two. That's just simple arithmetic. Do some math. Three is greater than two. You're welcome. Everyone can shoot. The big man can shoot. The power forward can shoot. Frankly, the game's positionless. LeBron goes one through five as far as positions. Ben Simmons goes one through five. As far as positions, Giannis goes one through five. As far as positions, they can guard every position on the floor, and they can play every position on their on the floor. They're just the uh, the talent in this league is so great compared to years past that it how they belittle the game is just beyond me. Again, let's look at the superstars. You know, back in the day, you know, there's like a couple guys. Now everyone has a shoe deal. Even Westbrook, a third-team All-NBA guy in my eyes this year, is an icon, is an automatic Hall of Famer, no doubt about it. it. Just The amount of superstars in this league is otherworldly compared to years past. Compared to years past and previous generations, there has never been this many superstars in the league. It just top to bottom, every team is absolutely unbelievable. And then you look at the pairing of teams. Yeah, we want to call this the super team era because they're superstar players. Every team, every good team, if you look at it, has two all-stars. You know, you just go down the list. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Rockets, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, put Even a team that's not in the playoffs, Portland, you put Portland in the past with Damian Lillard, and C.J. McConnell, that's the greatest one-two punch of point guard and shooting guard tandem in league history because of how well they can handle the ball and shoot. Uh, I, we already have the greatest backcourt of all time. How easily you know, we forget that Steph Curry and Klay Thompson just happen to be hurt this year. They're still around. They're still incredible. You look at other teams that just have hurt superstars that are going to be phenomenal next year. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. You just keep going down the list. Raptors, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry. It just everybody, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, 
every team has a one-two punch. Back in the day, you had like one guy. You know, the super, the all-time legendary teams had the two guys. You know, Kareem and Magic. Kobe, Shaq, Michael, Pippen, Bird, and who, who do you want to put there? Kevin McHale? All right, I'll give you that. There we go. Those are the legendary, all-time great teams that everyone loves to talk about and fantasize about. Yet, there are two superstar, all-star tandems on every team in the league. Another team, the Washington Wizards with John Wall and Bradley Beal. They rarely even sniff the playoffs or have any playoff success, and they would be unstoppable in the past. No one could keep up with Wall. If you put him back in the 80s or 70s, he would blow past everybody and dunk on them too. Bradley Beal could get a bucket from anywhere on the court. It just, uh, how they just belittle the players now. And they just left it, oh, they don't play defense. That's why it's so easy to score. They, that's the one thing they'd love to say. Oh, Michael Jordan would come in average 50 points a game. It, people, if we look at past scorings, we could just look at the top 15 scoring games of all time. Two have been in the past 15 years. Two. Two of them. The rest of all other 13 of them happened back dating all the way to the 60s. But I thought it was so easy to score. It's just Kobe Bryant's 81-point game and Devin Booker's 70-point game. But I thought it was so easy to score. Wouldn't you think if it's so easy to score, we'd be breaking records for points in a game? You know, there'd be more 60-point games. There'd be more 70-point games. It's just so easy. I thought I thought it was so easy. What happened to it being so easy? Oh, oh, it's not. Oh, there's a difference between making it. Uh, Colin Cowherd, I got to give him credit for this because he said it best. There's a difference between making it look easy and it being easy. They make it look so easy because everyone is so skilled, everyone is so talented. Every guard is a great ball handler. Every guard can dribble circles around everyone. Everyone at guard is extremely fast. They're so fast. Even the forwards now, LeBron James is just as fast as the point guards. It just, mm. I just, I can't stand how they belittle the game. They, they just make it seem like it's the, oh, it's so boring. All they do is shoot threes. Uh, there's no skill to it. They're just hucking up shots. It's the, no, it's the most skilled it's ever been. The playing styles are better. The playing styles now are way better than what they were in the past. Ball movement, spacing, is is what the game is all about now. Back in the day, it was like, all right, give it to Jordan, back down on the post. All right, turn around, jumper, there we go. All right, dump it down to our big man. All right, Kareem, hook shot. Kareem, hook shot. There's a reason it scored the most points ever because it's the most unstoppable shot. Yeah, you use it, but mm, you know, it's the playing style is way better now ball movement, you know, spacing. It's why basketball is so great. Now big men have to go guard that guy in the three-point line. You just think about these big guys coming down the lane. It's like, I don't have to worry about Shaq pulling up from three. He's not going to do that. You know, he's just going to come right down on the block. You know, he's still an unstoppable force, but that goes with every center of the pass. It's like, I don't have to worry about him shooting the ball. I don't have to worry about him playing in the mid-range or outside. I can just wait for him to come on the block. No, now, Kareem, those guys, you got to go chase Anthony Davis. You got to go chase Joel Embiid. You got to go chase Carl Anthony Towns. You got to go chase Kevin Love. 
you got to chase them off the block. you got to run around. You can't just hang out in the paint area and wait to block someone's shot. No, you actually have to go guard your guy because that guy is an automatic bucket from the outside. Automatic bucket will score on you from anywhere at any given moment. Oh, but, oh they, they, there's no skill. Oh, they, they don't play defense. No, they, they make it look easy. They, they're so good, they make it look easy. That's the difference. That's what they're not seeing. And I would think NBA guys could see this. I, I really don't understand how they don't see this. Oh, and if it's so easy to score, this is my favorite thing. Favorite thing. It, it's so easy to score, right? Then scoring averages should be way up, right? Like points per game should be way up. Okay, past two years, yeah, they've averaged 111 points a game. But you could break it down by decade. So I still consider this 2010s and up. You know, if we're in the last year, we're finally moving into 2020s. Okay, great. So in the 2010s, from 2010 to 2020 this year, the league average for points per game is 103 points per game. Hmm. Okay, that's, yeah, that's not as high as you, you would think it is it, because the game is so easy now. Because the game is so easy. Okay, let's go to the 2000. Okay, nine, 97 points per game in the 2000. That's how many points they were scoring per game. So uh, what changed? You know, defense is, you know, it, however you want to describe it. You know, offense is slowed down. You know, the game's faster paced now, so obviously they're going to score more points. Well, in the 90s, the 90s, one of the best eras of basketball, supposedly, when they, the men were men and they played defense. Well, they averaged 100 points a game. Okay, so just three less than what they're averaging now. Oh, but the game is so easy. Scoring is just so easy. Let's take it to what everyone describes as the greatest basketball era ever. The 1980s with Magic, Bird. Oh, men were men and they played defense and everyone was hard and there were no easy buckets. Points per game, 109. That's right, they averaged 109 points per game during the 80s. That, by my calculations, that's six more points than what today's game is. But I thought they played defense back then. I thought it was harder to score back then. What the numbers don't lie, facts don't care about your feelings. It just like you'd even go 1970s, they averaged more points, but that that was when they were men. That was when there was no even three point line. So how is it really that difficult to score? They averaged 107 points in the 1970s. Go to the 1960s, 115 points per game. Yeah, when Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell were dominating the league, Jerry West, yeah, 115 points per game. Oscar Robinson and the likes of them, God, they weren't stopping anybody. And, and guys are now more skilled. They're bigger, stronger, faster. You just see it in athletes today. They're just more skilled, more talented. It, like, that's how life progresses. That's how, that's how we progress. You know, like, generations get smarter. Yeah, generations become more knowledgeable. People become bigger. You know what, George Washington back in the day was, what, six foot tall? And everyone was like, he's the tallest guy in the room. That's why we're voting for him for president. That's the tallest guy? Well, guess what? The NBA is full of monsters. And you know what those monsters can do? They can pull up from 40 and score a bucket at will. Oh, they can dribble the floor like a guard. It'd be unbelievable in, the, in space. Oh, so I thought it was just so much difficult, so easy to score now. We're not seeing as many high-scoring games as far as, you know, points-wise for players. And they averaged more points back in the 80s. But that, that was when they played defense. That's when men were men. What, what am I missing? Am I missing something? Uh, the, the, 
the stats aren't there. Even in the 90s when people just love to glorify it on how, oh, they played defense back then. Oh, men were men. They only averaged three less points in the decade. 100 compared to 103. I just... As you can see, I get very worked up about this because I think the game has never been better. And then you get guys, just these old heads, who just get on TV and just love to belittle the game that they played and just talk about how no one does anything, no one plays defense, they're all little babies, they're all little sissies. You know, just because you get thrown out of games because you throw punches now doesn't mean they're soft. Guys would be happy to fight, but they get ejections, they get suspensions, they get fines back in the day. You didn't, that stuff didn't happen. You know, you could throw a punch and you're not ejected from the game. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. I could go on days about this, so I'm going to have to cut it off there. That's my unpopular opinion. The NBA game has never been better. They're more skilled. They're more talented. The game is in the best spot ever, and I can't wait to see how basketball continues and continue to be the best it's ever been. And that's the end of episode 20 of the Hank Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. You know, check me out on social media. And as always, remember, during this pandemic, wash your damn hands. All right, I'm out. Peace.